Welcome to the Idea Catalyst podcast, a show that inspires everyday people to find their own path. My name is Paolo. And my name is Lynn. We sit down with creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs to talk about the journey behind their projects and how to find your own Idea Catalyst. On this episode, we talk to James Dick, a student investor who aims to disrupt social venture financing. Today, James describes his impact-first approach and how his inability to say no got him to start his journey towards driving social change. Welcome, James. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, let's just start off with your story. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so your main projects, what do you consider your main projects right now? Uh, currently, uh, extracurricularly, would be uh, the Calgary Social Value Fund and Finesse Wealth Management. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So how about we backtrack a little bit before that and yeah. talk about the year before any of that. What, what was life like back then? Um, what were you currently involved in at that time? And, yeah. you know, how did that change? Yeah, I wasn't really involved in a whole heck of a lot. I was partially involved in finesse then, but it wasn't. That was its first year starting up. So the founders were still figuring out a lot of the legal processes. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of work there. So it was mostly just school and a lot of time on TFDL third, just hanging out with my friends. <laughs> not not the most productive time for me. Yeah, <laughs> totally. No, yeah. It's, yeah, totally. What was kind of your mentality? Was it was it good or? Yeah, well, I I uh, I was very focused on school and I was doing well in school, um, and just focusing on learning as much as I could. But I didn't really see the full potential of school until I met. Uh, you guys and Lyndon and Yana more specifically uh, and Cloth Black about all the different things I could learn and the importance of being with, well, finding that group of people that you want to be a part of that like think differently Mm -hmm. uh, and just going a little further than school because you can do online classes if you want to, but the main purpose of a university is bringing like-minded individuals together Mm -hmm. And I wasn't quite using it to its best potential that way. So you think then, so? yeah, as soon as I joined Cloth Black and kind of started there, it kind of leapfrogged. So were else. you not happy with the kind of like people you were hanging out with? No, before? no, no. I wouldn't say that. I was just uh, the people I was hanging out with were great friends and good in classes as well. Uh, but I wasn't using the huge expanse that is the University of Calgary to kind of have that different chats with different people so i guess we were kind of having this conversation before uh before we started i guess with this this episode mm-hmm. um but like maybe talk about a little bit about like what your thoughts were and your visions were like maybe in high school or before yeah. you even came to the university scene right like where did you envision yourself yeah i guess what path what path were you mm-hmm. set on out of high school yeah or did you have a path yeah so yeah, I guess I'll go off like why I thought I wanted to be in business and it kind of came from my dad who's an entrepreneur on his own uh, and having that business mindset it kind of filtered into my life and my mom's also very entrepreneurial in that way as well mm-hmm. um, but it kind of manifested itself in a way that I was like from the eight, very young age I was always looking at the receipt anytime we'd go out just to like make sure all the numbers added up and everything. Just looking at, I've always been intrigued by money. Um, so I kind of knew that I wanted to do business that way. 
and it's always been what's intrigued me because I did economics as well in high school, Yeah, which kind of drew me that way as well. But I didn't want to do econ at first, but now I've added that. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, it was kind of started off at a young age knowing that I wanted to go into business. But in first year, I really actually wanted to be on the basketball team. Um, really? But I wasn't focusing enough on it to really... I was like, this This isn't really going to drive me later on in life. It's just going to be, I'm going to be like a bench player maximum. Uh, and it won't go further than that. So I decided it would just be a, a more recreational thing. Right. And then as I came to that realization, I started focusing a little more on school and then wanting to find other ways to express myself. So were you ever, uh, ever kind of contemplating, I guess, in the high school times, maybe starting your own venture? Or were you always kind of like, I'll just kind of follow the mold? Yeah, maybe... I, uh, I was very lazy fair, I'd say, that I'd just kind of be like, I wasn't going to say that I wanted to do this one thing and go that track. It was always where opportunity would take me. And I feel like I've followed that pretty well on that. Anytime something would come up, I wouldn't say no to it right away. I'd always weigh the pros and cons. Uh, so it was never like I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to go finance, investment banking, go on to private equity, whatever it is. It was see where it takes me. And it's kind of found itself a nice little pocket of the social value fund and investing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, go, and going off that, so kind of explain to us like kind of what you do with the social value fund, like in a very... I guess basic level because I know yeah. there's, a, there's a lot you, you do yeah. um, with them and maybe kind of not only just like what you do but like how does it make you kind of how does it satisfy I guess your uh, intrigue in business yeah or? yeah so it I'll give you the backstory of how it came up I guess mm-hmm. yes um, so I, I started at an internship for uh, with UBC called the Social Innovation Academy uh, working on social purpose organizations and building out a database for that. So I uh, kind of found me through some courses that I was taking at uh, U- UFC and the uh, instructor of that, Rosalind Pausch, kind of put me onto this job. Uh, and then I was really versed in the social space and wanted to be able to use business as a force for good. Hmm. And then Steve Peterson, the executive director of the National Social Value Fund, approached me and discussed found, founding the Calgary Social Value Fund. How did he approach you? Like, Yeah, he's the manager. Uh, well, he's the good friends of the manager of the uh, Vancouver team, the UBC team that I was working for over the summer. And they kind of came in and presented. And then there was intrigue by me and my fellow intern. Uh, and then we wanted to bring it to Calgary. And he saw that we were good champions for it. So he, he said, sure, why how, not? How did that make you feel, like, to have yeah. this, like, guy in the space that you were like, wow, I want to kind of pursue something maybe in this space. Yeah. How did it make you feel to have him say something like, you know, you're yeah. you're the one that we're going we're gonna to select? I know, yeah. It was, uh, it was exciting times for me. It was definitely something that, like, I was always driving to be better somehow and then increase my like have more things to do that I'm not so much free time. So I'm always learning. Uh, and this opportunity just presented itself through him and he, it was quite, I don't know, rewarding to know that all the hard work that I've put in has been noticed by someone that wants to try and 
improve students' opportunities in the space because that's the reason why I started this because when he was at UBC, there was nothing like it. Uh, so he wanted other students like him to have that opportunity. So then why don't you go into, I guess, what it is you actually do? So it uh, it's a, a student-led private equity fund that does, this is the top layer description that we give, uh, that gives impact first uh, investments to uh, social purpose organizations. Everyone, when they go to their financial advisor, they care about who's making the most return. It's not about who's making the most impact, I guess, and that's what we're trying to change. So to break that down, uh, a social purpose organization is any company, nonprofit, charitable, for-profit business that uses its sustainable business model to drive uh, social impact, whether it's environmental, economical, giving living wages, equity buy-ins, or it's a social one. Um, and then our impact first approach is more to the philanthropic side of investing, where we're giving uh, patient capital or potentially concessionary financing to these startups that need it. Uh, but we're also looking for a financial return second, though. So it's not just giving them money to work with, but we're also looking for our, getting our money back and potentially some investment on that. Um, and then, yeah, so it, this is the model that uh, worked in Vancouver that was able to deploy $300,000 to uh, early stage startups that needed it to uh, be able to drive their impact further. And it's built to be an evergreen fund. So that's what Nikagri Social Value Fund is. Do you, do you have like a uh, like a favorite venture so far? Like, do you have one that you in particular are like very passionate about or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's, they've invested in five so far in Vancouver. Right. Uh, we haven't yet, we're still raising our capital, uh, but we have some ideas for potential deal flow organizations, but uh, those are still very hypothetical. So I'll, I'll go off what Vancouver's done. Sure. Um, and it's hard to put a favorite one. Uh, you can only pick one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of, uh, it depends the way you look at it. There's like ones that have been able to drive impact the best. Yeah. Um, like their f first investment was into a company called Clean Start. Uh, which works on hiring people with barriers to employment and gives them a job in uh, hoard, hoarder removal, junk removal, uh, pest control, stuff like that. Sim fairly simple entry-level jobs that most people won't want to do. And then they kind of have a graduating system where they bring them in, they help teach them the ropes and get them so that they can join the uh, uh, workforce on their own and kind of live their life from where it was. Interesting. So you, you in particular, you have a very strong passion for those barriers to entry into employment. Not necessarily. Or uh, I've my uh, passion is being able to uh, help Calgary be a world leader in the any like the energy sector and using different technologies that they have and reducing the overall emissions, so that we're able to be a, a larger player on the world scale. And I think that we have a very entrepreneurial mindset in Calgary in order to achieve that with a lot of innovation coming through so that we can have that. Uh, we just need to have that investment into that space so that we can be a world leader in that. 
and how do you see like the next steps like in the next maybe five ten years of calgary's yeah economy to achieve this this yeah so i think it's a lot of technological advancement uh there's already been breakthroughs in carbon capture utilization and storage uh which has really driven emissions down and been able to uh kind of help reduce emissions and drive the economy at the same time uh with like the new trunk line coming in i don't know if you guys know anything about that it captures carbon uh co2 try it and have it as pure as possible uh, to be used in enhanced oil recovery so they uh, push co2 into the ground to get oil out yeah uh and it can lead to like emission neutrality on oil and gas both on the production and consumption side uh so that really excites me but i think as we're able to drive innovation in the space and kind of get away from the regular uh emission levels that we have right now i think there's a endless potential for calgary so i guess i guess at the end of the day we've, we've had a nice conversation about kind of what you do and what mm-hmm. you have been doing um in, in the space uh one thing that we wanted to capture uh throughout this these segments is uh you know what what motivates you mm-hmm. to do what inspires you to do right? yeah like what are those enabling factors in your life mm-hmm. that allow you to you know go out there and, and join the calgary social um, value fund or you know mm. go out and and participate in a project that you know leads to better a, a better carbon footprint like what are the yeah. motivating factors in your opinion yeah yeah i think um there's the whole side of wanting to do the right thing but you can't always do that right thing uh because there's those economic factors that you have to worry about having to take care of a family whatever it might be but you don't have a family no okay yes just to clarify <laughs> <laughs> But I think being able to use my financial and economics learning from university to drive innovation in the space uh, and better business practices so that we're able to have that business as a force for good. Absolutely. Rather than relying on the public sector, which everyone seems to have a bad rap on, especially Mm -hmm. here in Calgary right now. Of course. um, To make up for those market failures and the societal shortfalls. But I think business can do that best. We're using the human capital in there and also the financial capital there to be able to find better ways of doing things. So what drives me is that idea, being able to improve someone's well-being, but also have an economic benefit for everyone, Right. all the stakeholders involved, not just focused on the shareholder as most companies are. Very good. Yeah. Very good. That's 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 that is inspiring. Absolutely, I, yeah, I could definitely see very um, <clears throat> a lot of social models again, like you were saying, right? They, they stem from that exact, yeah. that exact idea of let's not just raise money for ourselves and make our lives better, but how can we, how can we make life better for everyone, right? Through business, mm-hmm. right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just want to jump tracks really quickly here. Um, <laughs> so, where do you go to get motivated? Yeah. Um, what do you do to get? It's there's a lot of things like when I was starting off, it was a lot of motivational videos, <laughs> like a, a Tony Robbins to kind of get me get the blood flowing in the morning, you know, and keep you focused throughout the day. But 
as I've been able to find things that I've really found joy from, like the Calgary Social Value Fund, it's it's just doing those things and knowing that if I keep working at this, we if we get the capital and we find companies to invest in, then we'll be making someone's life better, not going further than what I can do for myself. And I think that's what capitalism has kind of gone away from. Like totally. before with the mom and pop shop, it wasn't always about making money. It was, it was also about being that anchor in the community, wherever it might be, that kind of place that you go where everyone knows your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, we love that. Um, do you think there's any kind of gap in the market for, you know, these ideas and and how or where people go to get inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there was a little lack of that in your earlier kind of stage? Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's like a lack of it. It's just finding what you like. You always know what you don't want to do. Like, I, I never wanted to go and be an engineer. It just wasn't what intrigued me. <laughs> um, but it's kind of following what... You'll never know what you want to do until you're actually doing it. So it's always just never say no to something kind of seeing where go and go from there so with calgary social value fund it was very lucky on how that opportunity came up and then it has moved its way into the calgary social value fund so if i said no to that i don't know where i'd be so let's say yes to absolutely every opportunity (laughs) (laughs) as as long as it intrigues you (laughs) well i mean and is legal. <laughs> and <laughs> it's legal. Very big thing. Goes without saying. <laughs> yeah. I like what you said about um, knowing what you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that kind of impacted your journey? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people put a pressure on themselves like, oh, I'm 21. I need to know what I want to do and where I'm going to go in my life because I'm graduating in a year. But I think, like, my dad started his company when he was 25. I know that's still pretty young. What kind of company was it? He was a well site geologist company, so working in the oil and gas sector. Uh, he started working for one, and then he realized the inefficiencies of that and then went from there. Um, but, yeah, you don't need to know what you want to do. You kind of know what intrigues you, and you can go from there. But there's never the point where you're like, all right, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do this right now until you actually do it. But that takes time to get there, so I don't think there ever needs to be a pressure to do that. Mm-hmm. Can you think of one particular moment where everything kind of clicked? or Yeah. Um, or was it kind of more spread throughout? There was moments where it slowly began to click, where working with Cloth Black and seeing the idea of a, a business model that can drive an impact some way. Um, and then finding the summer job and seeing all those social ventures on the database that we were working on, found over 700 in Alberta, and saw this is a viable thing that people are doing. That's another thing that clicked. And then when Steve approached me for helping co-found the Social Value Fund, I think that was the final one that was like, all right, this is what I want to do. For someone who um, is completely getting started out, you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned how th- it was only a couple of years ago where you had almost zero idea where you would go. Yeah. Um, if you were to speak to yourself at that point a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, is there any kind of main 
key points or pieces of advice that you would give yourself um, to kind of help initiate that journey or or maybe even um, expedite it in any way? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd want to expedite it per se. I think it was a very natural way of doing it and probably the the best way of doing it of kind of that like slowly getting intrigued by it and then that final jump in over the summer um i'm obviously no expert by any means of (laughs) finding what you love to do but it's it was just what i guess i'd say to myself just stay focused um just remember that you don't need to have all the answers now and that always try and follow what you love doing um yeah and some way it'll find a way to come to you so for me i've always loved investing but i I wanted to go further than just the public markets and it's slowly come to me after just working away at it and trying to just talk to as many people as possible where do you see yourself going in the next five to ten years yeah um that's kind of hard to answer because i really don't know at the moment it kind of depends on where job opportunities can take me i really want to work in the private equity space uh hopefully in a company that's doing impact investing um but they're very few and far between in that space so it's hope hoping to get that experience from professionals that have been doing it for 30, 40, 50 years maybe, um, that will be able to teach me kind of their investing style and that kind of framework and going from there. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much, James. Uh, you know, we really appreciated your time. Uh, you know, you obviously have a lot of, uh, awesome experience and, uh, you know, I'm sure, uh, we'll be we'll be having you back when yeah. you do your next big thing, <laughs> change the world. Totally. Um, but I don't yeah, know if you can say I have a lot of experience. <laughs> well, I mean, experience is a very uh, it can be it can be defined relatively. Exactly. <laughs> well, it can be defined in different things, right? And I believe that yeah. you know, in your your what you've just discussed, you know, with us today, is uh, even though you you claim to not have you know, maybe what someone like fifty or sixty years old would have yeah. in terms of experience, but you have decided that there's something that you're passionate about and you're actually going to follow it and you're mm-hmm. going to go through with it. And uh, that's something that, uh, you know, people will struggle with for, for a long time. And, 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 and I'm happy to hear that you're, uh, you're, you found your, your groove for now. And, and mm-hmm. when it changes, you're going to adapt and, and yeah. all that, but uh, grow. Yeah. Anyways, thanks again. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Thanks Thank for having you. me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Idea Catalyst podcast. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Idea Catalyst podcast to keep up to date on new episodes, get behind the scenes content, and to engage and ask any questions you might have. Thanks again for tuning in. Come back next week for another episode of the Idea Catalyst podcast.